This is the 18th season of Bass Talk Live. With your host, Matt Pangrad. BTL is brought to you by Lorance, Bass Cat Boats, AFCO, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, and Pro Guide Batteries. PTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live where we are going to talk about bass fishing Thanksgiving week. It is uh, November 21st and I wasn't planning on having any any shows this week, but there were some going goings-ons. Is it going-ons or goings-ons? Going-ons. There were some occurrences in the uh, bass fishing world that I was like, dude, I'm around. I'm not going home until the actual Thanksgiving day back to Illinois to spend with the parents. So we'll go ahead and knock out a couple of BTLs. Uh, today, uh, we have... Oh, he just made the announcement last week. He's, he's Bassmaster Opens angler Ben Milliken. Uh, dude, if you wa- watch his, his YouTube channel, I think probably one of the smartest moves in the industry that's been made over the past like three years is Ben Milliken moving to Texas. Now, instead of just like 10 pounders, whenever he goes down and visits Texas, it's like 10 pounders every day right out of his back door. So we'll get into that. But the big thing is he's fishing all nine opens. We've seen uh, Rob Turkle do this in the past. We've seen Oliver Nine. I'm just talking about predominantly social media, YouTube anglers diving into uh, the world of tournament angling. Uh but Ben's a little different, I think, as far as his history with tournament fishing, his outlook, his reasoning behind it. So we'll get Ben on to talk about that. Uh, tomorrow, John Sokup, deep in the throes of preparing for his rookie Bass Master Elite Series season, will join us from uh, the Bass Tank headquarters in Tulsa. Talk a little bit about what's going on over the holiday uh, break and some of the deals that you can expect on the Bass Tank. And then I'm going to take a deep dive uh, and he's going to get pretty candid about hey you qualify for the elite series are the sponsors knocking on your doors what is it like to know that you have that two or three month window where you're just a guy trying to make it and now you're on the elite series and you got to have boat ramps and wraps and schedules and planning and that doesn't even have anything to do with figuring out how to catch a bass and stay on the elite series but uh I hope it didn't take him away. Every time I've been trying to get a hold of him over the last couple of weeks or he's been trying to get a hold of me, he's always on the water, which is a good thing because if you listen to BTL, you'll find that the common thread amongst all interviews and time on the water and people or people that are successful in the tournament industry, time on the water, right? Ben Milliken, thank you for jumping on BTL again. I think what this is the third, second or third time you've been on BTL. Man, I don't know, but I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited. Time on the water. Nothing can beat time on the water. Whether you're tournament fishing, big bass fishing, fun fishing, do you agree that time on the water is the greatest, uh, the 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 best, the only way to get incrementally better at bass fishing is to launch your boat or go down to the bank and actually fish? 100%. Yes or no? 
Yeah. Yes, but that's not yes or no. It's not black and white. It's got to be uh, making something out of your time on the water and learning time on the water. You can go fish the same lake, the same style of lake or body of water every single day, and you can get master that, but that doesn't really necessarily make you a great fisherman all around. That that's true. So it's 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 may it so efficient, do you use productive time on the water. Efficient productive time on the water. So there you go. That breaks right into it. So you're fishing all nine opens. You made the announcement last, was it Thursday, on uh, your Millican Fishing YouTube channel. Went through a great breakdown of the entire process, which I always just take it for granted. Like, hey, there's leagues A, B, C. Here's the qualifying. Here's how it gets done. And not until you sit down and listen to it does it sound so convoluted. And then you understand why so many people are like, screw it. This is. It's almost like trying to watch cricket on Hulu. Like trying exactly. to describe the the what the fishing scene is, and at some point you're like, okay, there's a wicket, and they're hitting the ball thing, and they're running, but I don't really know what's going on, and I switch the channel. It's exactly. hard to understand what's going on if you're just a casual fisherman, isn't it? Hundred percent, and that's something that I always have to uh, balance with who I'm talking to in my audience in my videos. So, like, I follow tournament fishing and have my entire life um, religiously. So to me, I'm just like, oh, which of these three divisions do I jump in? And I explain that I'm doing the opens and everyone should know what that means. But there's a lot of people that watch YouTube videos and they don't even understand how fish are scored in any tournament, let alone what the entire series feeder system is for any organization. So uh, I had to kind of try to break that down. And that's still, I don't know who I spoke to. I tried to let as many people understand the entire process as possible, but um I think I did okay. No, it was a great, it was a great, uh, it was a great video. I I want to dive into it. I know you posted something, but I mean, you recently fished a tournament kind of in my neck of the woods, and I haven't had a chance to chat with you. How did that go? Because it was like freezing cold this weekend in the morning. Oh, man. So, well, I'm, I'm from up there, you know, the Midwest, and so yeah. I'm, used to, I'm used to the cold, but going, I mean, even in Texas, it's been highs in the 40s lately, and people are freaking out down here. But, yeah, the first morning, uh, we fished one at Bull Shoals Saturday and one at 10 Killer yesterday, Sunday morning. And uh, Bull Shoals, I mean, we, we launched at a different ramp because it was close to my buddy's house, and, and we drove 10 miles to the ramp. And it was, like, 13 degrees Saturday morning and windy and cloudy. Oh, my God, man. I was just – that's a different level of cold no matter how much cold gear you got. Uh, if you haven't experienced it, it's, it's a lot to hop into for the first time. Can you talk about how you did or do you save that for your videos? Yeah, I can't tell you how I did, Matt. That's top secret information. No, I'm just kidding, man. Um, it was frustrating. My buddy Landon Edwards, a lot of people don't know who he is yet. He's only He just turned 21. He's a really young dude. He's going to be a force to reckon with uh, in all of the Ozark area. He's already – he whoops all the ass in the uh, Beaver Lake area. He lives right by Beaver, and the dude fishes like four to six tournaments a week. Uh, every weeknight tournament – Every weekend tournament, he'll get done at 3 or 4 a.m. Friday night, fishing a night tournament, blast over and get to the ramp at 6 o'clock a.m. and go fish a Saturday day tournament, go fish Sunday. Like, dudes ate up with it, and he's real good. Uh, that was kind of a wordy way to say how we did. Yeah. But he's, he's been crushing them uh, on glide baits at all the lakes for a long time. He does a lot of other stuff, too. He's not just a swim bait guy. But he said, come on up, and I kind of did last minute. And, um, unfortunately the weather turned this last week. And so those fish that were like blowing his, his, his little glide baits out of the water and stuff, were doing a lot more swirling on it, popping it from behind, just not getting the bait good. So 
Um, we got we finished one place out of the money Saturday uh, with 15 pounds of bull shoals, all the fish on big baits, lost you know the winning fish just swiping at it losing them and stuff and watching them headshot it and suck the whole bait into the hook and not get the hook and that's just how it goes what was the water temp at bushels it was still pretty warm i thought it was uh 59 or something 60 maybe holy cow yeah that's shockingly warm yeah it's like that's not much different than it is down here by houston it was it was wild and then uh, Ten Killer was the same thing, man. He's been crushing smallies. He had 22 pounds or something last week on, on a glide bait. Went there, and it was just, I mean, smallies on, on any type of moving bait is scary. You know how that is yeah. um, in treble hook bait. And we thought we did terrible the whole day. We had like 12 pounds. Uh, we had a one-and-a-half pounder in our bag, and I lost one at the boat, about four-pounder. Um, got it to the net, and he went to scoop it and missed it. We're like, ah, it sucked for a second, but we don't have a good bag anyway. It'll take 18, 19 pounds to weigh in. We got to weigh in, and um, we we got fourth with 12 pounds, and we lost by like a pound, like two pounds or something. We would have won with the one fish that I Oh, dumped. wow. That's we strong because there's a lot of locals that fish that. Yeah, yeah. It was a super disappointing, frustrating day. The fish got off the, the glide bait a little bit, and they're kind of in an in-between phase. They don't know if they want to be on the shad ball stuff or not yet. Was it one and, on the rig? Uh, I don't think so. No, there was no? A, there's no, the, everyone was pounding the bank. I assume they would rock crawl or something. My first like eye opening glide bait experience was on Ten Killer, Ben. Yeah. And it was a uh, I had just gotten a so it would have been two thousand and fourteen. When was when were the Elite series at Bull Shoals? The one that I think Pollet or Politic like won that it was, one, it like was 2013. To, anyway, was he 13, had yeah. he had a box, and it was the first time you know no one had a box of glides, and he had a box of glides, and the primary glide then was the Negotiator, mm-hmm. which is pretty blocky still. Like when you compare it to like what's out there now, like as far as like thick and I mean that thing looked like a two by four in 2013. Like all the other guys were standing around going, and and you throw this, and he's like, yeah, yeah. for sure. But I got my hands on a through Grant Goldbeck. There's a name. I need to see what Grant's up to down in Texas. But Grant <sighs> Goldbeck had a connection anyway. I think he was sponsored by even Roman Made for a little bit. But I got my hands on a blue alumni negotiator. Nice. It was like the foil. You know what I'm talking about? It was the foiled one. I think I paid like 180 for it. And I went to Ten Killer. I went right across from Chicken Creek. And... I just, I'll never forget this. I was trying to figure out how, how it worked. And like, I roll it past a boulder and like a five and a half pound smallmouth comes up behind it. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And I go down a little further and I get to one of those like bluff points and I crank it by it. And I pulled up a school of like 40 spotted bass. And if you've never done that, you've never seen a follower before, it's new to you. I mean, this was, you know, almost 10 years ago. It is mind-blowing when you see these fish, like, following that glide bait. I, I would just remember just being like, you'd never even know those fish were there without a glide. Definitely. It was so cool. I was hooked on it. And then for the next three years, I proceeded to almost, almost win tournaments on it. and it Exactly. Never That's did. The- that's the problem. We had we did a lot of almost uh, the last few days, but 
That's how it goes. <laughs> so you still glided some at when will that get when will that be good until like when will I so like I fish 10 killer a lot, right? But I'm a A rig guy, right? A rig, jerk yeah. bait, rock crawler, that type of thing. But yep. will you throw that down into the forties? Uh you can. You can catch fish on it, but I think that goes away as soon as if you're good with forward facing anyway, as soon as they start getting on that shad ball stuff, um, I think it kind of goes away. But I, we, I mean, I, I didn't go up there to go throw Ned rigs and uh, throw a rock crawler and stuff to fish with him. He's been crushing them on the glides, and we were just going to kind of stick with it, and they were eating it. We just lost one or two fish that would have won both days for us, and that's kind of how it goes, you know? Dude, you met through social media or through friends or through YouTube? or uh, Through friends. Uh, just a, okay. a, a friend that I had met fishing in the Ozarks, he was like, yeah, I, I like to do, I like to the glide bait stuff, but you should go fish a land. And this dude's super young and he's winning all these tournaments. You should go check him out. And so, yeah, we, we kept in touch and we're going to be fishing together quite a bit. I think. I, I think we're fixing to see a wave of, and, and like, so I had uh Tristan McCormick on and he talked about like the young guys coming up and I'm like, uh, dude, you're 24 years old. Like you are <laughs> yeah, one yeah. of the young guys. And he's talking about like the 18, 19, 20 year olds it's kind of scary when you look at it, especially on BTL, you talk to guys and they're always mentioning you start looking them up. They're like 19, 20 years old that are very proficient, very talented. And they have that mentality of, I remember like Matt Heron will talk about some of the old guys, Zell, some of the old guys will talk about it. They haven't had their heads caved in yet. So it's, it's optimism and it's the mentality that you can't replicate confidence. Of course. And they haven't had their confidence beaten down yet, ever. No, like, exactly. they, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true, man. They're kind of scary. It'll be interesting to see, especially in the Opens this year, how many of those. I saw. I just saw an announcement. I didn't know him. I think he was 17 years old, and he's like, hey, I'm in for all nine of these things. That's wild. Yeah. You're in for all nine of these things. I'm in for all nine of these things. Tough to sit. Uh, just talk about the first time it crossed your mind where you – honestly seriously thought all right i'm gonna explore this opportunity well i mean i've it's kind of something i've definitely wanted to do for probably 15 years um and pretty probably every bass fishing video i've posted and put up i've had at least one comment you should fish the opens you should jump in the opens and you got you know you take everything with a grain of salt but um i guess later this summer earlier this fall um, when I saw the schedule switch to having to fish all nine to qualify, that made me very interested. Um, I'm from Nebraska I, until the last 18 months. Um, I lived in Nebraska my entire life and not only is there not any good fishing around there, um, the open schedule is so South, Southeast and Northeast in the past. Uh, scheduled that the the schedule didn't make a whole lot of sense to me to drive 15 hours to the Red River and drive to Florida and drive to the Northeast and go get my teeth kicked in in three tournaments by locals. Um, I've always felt like through my tournament fishing that the longer the tournament is um, and the, the, the less local advantage there is, the better chance that I would have to go in anywhere and, and do well. And that's how it's been in every tournament that I've fished that's bigger. And so when they switched it to having to fish all nine, 
um, and kind of took away a lot of that local advantage. And then they switched it to where there isn't, uh, there's actually an off limits period. There's the, I mean, five days of practice is still a lot of pressure on a fishery. When they switched it to that, I got a lot more interested because as we've talked about, I mean, guys going two weeks before, 30 days before, it's not going to help them that much, but it's going to blow out an extremely difficult fishery already. And then talking about that, um, this year's schedule came out and there isn't the Chesapeake Bay in September, the Ross uh, Barnett and what a super tough time of the year, the and, Red, uh, River. Red River and the fall. <laughs> That was summer. horrible. The more you talk about it, the more I realize how horrible it was. Dude, this year. seriously. And even places like uh, the so James, depressing. The, dude, seriously. <laughs> like the, the James River, which I know is a great fishery, but it's somewhere that's overwhelming to me where the, the opens have been oh. you know, over and over. Dude, and you over. would love that. You need to do a series where you go out to the James for a week. Like, if, and, and you're, I'm serious. You would love that place. I know I would, man. I, I was the exact same uh, way. I was looking yeah. at it on Google Earth before I went went and all i'd heard about was like oh there's like one outflow and all the anglers fight over it and there's only 12 inches in there and i like uh-huh. got out there the first day of practice and i and like didn't get any bites for the first two hours and i'm like this is overwhelming and then like the next three hours i had like a five a five and a six and i called brad hallman and i was like this is like the land before time like pre i mean it, and ever since then i would put it in my top five fisheries but like, you need to do a, a week out or four or five days out there and you can throw the big baits. You can do whatever the heck you want. Polinic one out there. Anyway, yeah, side note. But the James River is badass. And if you haven't been there, it's I don't know why I like it so much, but I do. Of course, I've only fished the Chickahominy, but I mean, it's cool. It's <laughs> yeah. cool as heck. Well, I've heard but that. Continue. I'm just I'm just saying, like I've never besides like fishing a day with Ike out of Chesapeake Bay in the winter. I have never fished a tidal yeah. fishery and like. It's such a disadvantage to, to go out to somewhere like that that I've never fished mm-hmm. um, and, and do that. So, or even like Oneida, when it, Oneida was fishing super tough the last until this year. Like that's that's crazy tough. But seeing the schedule, um, one, it's an unbelievable schedule. How good it is in on paper. I know everything. We might get some flood tournaments. We might get so, who knows what'll happen. And two other ones will be way too tough or way tougher than they looked. Uh, but very, very good fisheries. Um, that it's definitely, it doesn't seem like a schedule that Bassmaster has kind of done over the years where you end up at places like the Sabine River strictly because their chamber of commerce is willing to dump whatever money in. It seems like it's legitimately structured to kind of pander to versatile anglers that are just going to go out and be able to fish big water, figure out big water, big places that fish huge and, and not um I, I don't know it takes a lot of the mm-hmm. uncontrollables out of it i guess um and then that's the second part of it a lot of very big bodies of water um that'll fish big i think and that's exciting too so with all that in mind i mean i i wasn't even considering it the last few years and then all of a sudden i saw that and uh, i started talking to my wife and i'd be lying if i said that um i wasn't burned out like to an extent with what I'm doing for a living right now, making these videos. Um, I, I try to include my, my wife and my family in uh, as many of my trips as I can, but that gets very difficult when I'm trying to put out as much content as I can yet. I'm staying so consistent with it and not skipping anything that I might go tomorrow 
in the next day and and I'm like, oh, I'll go to this lake and make this video, go to this lake and make this video. And then that doesn't pan out. Then I'm like, oh, shit, I got to drive seven hours away the next day or the next night as I get home. And so I can go make content because I don't have anything lined up. I've been doing that for six years. Um, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that. Like, I literally had a bad week towards for two days at the end of last week. And Landon hit me up about those tournaments and I was like, okay, I'm driving eight and a half hours to go fish two little local tournaments with one of my friends Saturday and Sunday so I can get some content. Um, and that's amazing that I'm able to do that. And I got the support to do that with my family and um, financially just building my audience over the years. But um, I'm sitting here talking to you after I, I mean, I slept for 45 minutes Friday night before the tournament. We fished all day yesterday. I got home at 2 a.m. Uh, last night. And uh, this, honestly, looking at the schedule and how this is all going to play out, this adds a little bit of stability to my life, which is kind of funny, as crazy as uh, the open scene is. Not to, I, And I, I don't want anybody to take this as uh, at any point in our conversation today as me thinking that I'm going to do extremely well or I think it's going to be easy in any way because it's going to be a freaking grind. But um, I've wanted to fish professionally my entire life. Technically, I do. Fishing is my profession now, um, but I, I come from a sports background. I'm extremely competitive, and um, uh, I, I just think it's the time is perfect for me right now. I'm not getting any younger. Um, my my son is is two years old. He isn't in school yet. My wife's got a job right now where she can kind of pick and choose her schedule. So it all kind of everything, all the factors kind of figured themselves out to uh, me trying to give it a go this year, man. What are you, you 33, 34? 33. Yeah. That's about when I kind of, kind of woke up and was like, okay, I'm in the industry. I'm doing this. I've always wanted to do it. I've put it on the back burner, but like, if I don't do it now, like when am I going to do it? For sure. It's kind of, that's, that's one thing. I mean, you, people always talk about how you don't want to get old and live with regret. And I know like I've been content and happy and making a very good living the last handful of years doing the YouTube thing. And it's been way easier um, in theory to make video content and make money from that as opposed to traveling the country, getting my teeth kicked in with a very low payout and a very high entry fee and very high expenses for travel with the opens and the Toyotas. Um, That made more sense. But, um, but, but I know that if I didn't give it a go at some point in my life, I will live with regret. And that's, I'm definitely not going to be like, I'm all in for 2023. And then I'm never doing it again. If it doesn't go well, like I'll be fishing tournaments until I die. Um, But, but uh, now is definitely the time for me to do it. I don't know if I've ever had this discussion on air. I have it off air with a a lot of people but at some point uh, and it's like a it's a first world issue obviously right like there's but if you are are offered that at some point you have to look at your quality of life and your decision making and your goals and dreams and if you have put yourself in the position to do it like sometimes I feel like in order to wake up like wake up with a purpose right like I feel I'm very fortunate to spend a lot of my life covering people who are living out their dreams, something they've wanted to do since they're a child. You've got people who come from money, who have done it with family money and generational money. You have people who have become self-made millionaires and then jumped in it. You have people who are middle class who have worked their way up through. You have people. You ha- it seems like, hey, he's got money, he's fishing for a living, it is, but there's so many different paths to it. But the one common thread that all of them have is, 
they have taken the time and the sacrifice and put themselves at risk to do something that they've wanted to do and they've achieved it. And I think there's a lot of people who go every single day and they never get to be around those people who have achieved their dreams and goals and seen that it's possible and seen, you know, yeah, you got a bunch of people who complain about it and stuff, but it's still a lifelong goal that you're around people who have achieved it. You know, I just think that's really cool. And at some point, if you have that opportunity, I think if I just did a, a podcast with the business from the Bass Boat guys, uh, Adam Deacon, great, great job he did over there. And I did it and I said, yeah, it, it, it may not, the numbers may not make sense and it may, but at some point you have to go quality of life and what you really want to inside and of just course. go for it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of seems like where you are. Absolutely. That is the cool thing about our sport too. I mean, you can, it's different than any other sport. You can jump into it when you're 60, you can jump into it when you're 17, like you said. Um, and, and everyone comes from different backgrounds. Everyone's different shapes, sizes, ages, skill levels, skill sets. Um, but the fish are the, uh, they're the determining factor. Usually. The thing that seems interesting with you through our conversations is you're not, I don't feel like you're doing this for, Hey, here's a new way that I can get content. You're doing this because this is something that you want to do personally, achieve the goal, be a tournament fisherman, and it's almost like the content's going to come along with it. It's not, hey, I need some new content, let's fish the qualifiers or the opens. It's almost reverse, right? Yeah, 100%, man. I'm a fisherman. Um, I didn't jump into the social media making video thing because I wanted to make money. Um, And I've made a, a really solid amount of money, I feel like, doing it Then that is it really what I'm after? That's not what makes me happy. Um, and I would stop doing it in a heartbeat if I could just do tournaments. But at the same time, like I, uh, we've talked about in the past, I know people know that I'm an owner of Sixth Sense and Waterland Sunglasses, and that's an extremely big passion of mine is, is being super involved in those brands and product development. And I understand how important it is for me to uh, make content and promote those products. And the great thing is I'm, I'm, it's not a random company that came to me offering me money to promote something. It's cringy little 30 second review videos online. Like these are products that I designed that are going to make people's experiences better on the water. Um, and so I do have a lot of passion in promoting those. And so I will always make some type of video content, but yeah, I mean, that's a long way for me to say, yeah, man, I'm, I'm in this for the fishing, the competition. Um, if my camera, my chest camera is giving me fits at nine in the morning or when I get to my first spot in the tournament, I'll pitch that thing in the damn lake if I have not to say you should ever litter, but I'll, I'll throw it. I'll pitch that thing in the, the rod locker and say, screw that and fish the rest of the day because that's not what, uh, that's not my priority. Okay. So here's something interesting. So I had this talk with Polinick. Polinick thinks that having the camera on, talking to the camera, resetting his day, talking about what's going on has actually helped him. Jeffrey said, this is stupid. I'll never catch him. This is a bad idea when he first started. I mean, it's a legendary episode. I need to go back. Since then, all he's done is two Angler of the Years and four Elite Series wins. Uh, but he, I had never thought about that where he's like, it's an advantage to film it, to be able to talk through what's going on and what's happening. And it makes me think instead of getting in this rat race where I'm just next spot, next spot, next spot. And I started thinking I'm kind of the same way too. When I did the AFCO Bass boot camp in the last couple of years, I sat down, I assessed what was going on. I said, here's what's happening. Here's it during the tournament this year. I was, no, I'm focused on it. I'm just going to film it. I won't talk to the camera. And I feel like I got ahead of myself a bunch of times. So I think there's also a way where you could, depending on your personality, use that to your advantage to take a deep breath, 
to reset and to kind of mentally figure out where you are in your day. Yeah, I, I can feel that. I mean, while I think we need to understand that Brandon Polinick, uh isn't human right now and is oh, on yeah. a totally different level and he could be talking to birds and um, his, his baits or the trolling motor or whatever he wanted to talk about throughout the day and he'd probably still whoop everybody. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I think it'll be it'll be an interesting balance of that and trying to talk through my day and stay calm and everything and keep my head together and at the same time not just like get pissed off if I'm having a bad day and stop focusing on the camera stuff and completely do the fishing things. So it'll be a, an interesting balance. You think you'll be nervous? Like you think it'll be a new thing? Oh, 100%. But I'm nervous. I was nervous this weekend. Like, I get nervous every time I start a tournament. I think it's good to be nervous. You still get the butterflies, the jitters? Absolutely. Really? And I don't get that when I go out and film videos and, and stuff for YouTube. So that's why I love it. See, I think I lost that. I think I got Im- not immune to it, but uh, I don't get the my hands aren't working butterfly thing because I covered the Elite Series so much. I went to every single launch and every single, which I think could be an advantage. But I also feel like I get kind of robbed out of that when the co-angler back there is like, flubbing around and he's like dude i'm so jacked up this morning and i was yeah, like yeah yeah I, I mean i get You're super like, I like late fish today yeah <laughs> i get laser focused but i don't i i like those kind of pre-morning jitters yeah i don't definitely. get those very and, much. and different different people handle it different ways of course I, i'm a lot more the quiet type when that that starts to kick in but uh yeah i can i can tell you what that the boat launch that you follow coming up here i'm, I'm definitely going to be feeling it no matter what you fall Alabama. That's in uh, the beginning of March when the uh, when the opens kick off. You got it. All right, we're going to take our first break of the show, talking with Ben Milliken, uh, Milliken Fishing, and all of his. You call your followers MFers. You got it. Uh, and he's going to have a lot of MFers following him this year on all nine of the Bassmaster Opens. When we come back, I want to talk. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your style. Uh, your I want to say you're kind of pigeonholed into a style, but then if you go back and look at a lot of your videos and a lot of your earlier content, I don't, I don't think you are. But we're going to talk about that. We're going to look at the schedule and see how you plan on, on uh, breaking it down, the schedule, your style, your strengths when we come back. BTL on a Monday, November 21st with Ben Milliken. We'll be back right after this. Your key to better fishing this season is Elite FS. Now available at a new lower price. Get Elite FS9 today for $9.99. And we'll throw in a C-Map reveal chart, our premium mapping solution for free. Elite FS works with all state-of-the-art Lorenz sonar, from chirp, side scan, and downscan imaging with fish reveal to high-resolution active target live sonar. Elite FS9 and C-Map reveal. Offer ends August 31st. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft-touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96-inch wide-body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry-leading design coupled with tournament-winning performance. The Puma STS from BassCat. Feel the rush.
Hey guys, Gerald Swindle representing the AFCO Hydronaut. This is the jacket I love wearing when times is tough. And I'm talking about the weather, not the fishing. The jacket, what I like, I got a double cup right here. I can seal up the bottom of my jacket because when you're fishing, you're holding your arms up. You're bad about getting water runs downhill. Everything bends good. I'm long arm. Look, it fits very comfortable. My arms are flexible. I've got the speed hood on, pouring down range. I can get everything zipped up. One thing they did is they made plenty of pocket space. If you ain't got no pockets in a Hydronaut rain suit, you just got too much stuff from the water man brain that's 30k baby 30 times the reason you ain't gonna get wet super warm if it's cold in the winter time you put on your hydronaut you're gonna be a much more comfortable person if you want to just look sexy at dairy queen where your hydronaut we got it from small to 5x most rain gear does not come in that many sizes you got waist adjusting straps we can make it fit you no matter what the environment is we want you to be comfortable we want you to be dry you gotta check it out it ain't gonna let you down the kvd 100 jerkbait 15 different colors, a perfect combination of roll, wiggle, and flash. Increased castability, 3D eyes, premium black nickel hooks, KVD, tie one on, striking lures. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different and really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.exonlures.com and check them out for yourself. Get the best patterns back by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the Deep Dive app today. Look at that beast right there. Welcome back to BTL with Ben Milliken. I want to dive into it now. I want to dive into what you think it takes to be successful at the Bassmaster Open level. Because... Uh, you're okay. You're a YouTuber. I know you're a tournament angler. I know that this is what you do, but you are primarily known as a YouTuber. So you are going to be compared to the other. And I said that's a, not a bad word. That's a you. There's YouTubers or tournament anglers or turbo anglers who YouTube. There's YouTube anglers who tournament fish. But you're going to be compared to the other guys who primarily make their income based on YouTube content. And in the past, fair fair assessment, Ben. Hundred percent, man. And in the past, and like I said, this is no knock on any of it because there's plenty of good tournament anglers who have really crappy YouTube channels. <laughs> so, so just take the flip side, but the guys who are YouTube predominant, who have do- dove, dive, dove in, div in, whatever, dove into the tournament side, no one's cashed a check yet. In the Bassmaster Opens, I think Rob might have cashed a check in the MPFL, but in the Bassmaster Opens, if you take uh, Oliver with Big Bass Dreams and Rob, they're, they're over. I have mad respect for both of those guys for doing what they do because very talented in the industry, great niche. Have not had either either of them on the show. I'd really like to get uh, Oliver uh, on the show too to talk about it. I've actually sent him a couple DMs like at the opens, like 
hey man, like I, you know, I just, hey, he doesn't know who I am. Dude always smiles, waves, talks to everybody there. It's super cool. But that being said, not a lot of success in the tournament side. What do you think that reasoning is and what do you have to do to be different? Well, I mean, I think everyone's uh, story and background is, is different in fishing. Um, you know, Oliver, I wouldn't say is a, uh, he, he's gotten popular on social media, but he's not necessarily a YouTuber. Oliver had a tournament background and a, a swim bait background in California. I think maybe he struggled a little bit because of, uh, he, he's very versatile, but I think he, he's trying to win every single one. I don't think he cares that much about points. And so you just haven't seen him put it all together for three days yet. And then when you talk about the other guys that have done it from YouTube, I mean, I think a lot of it was just to bring validity to a, a, a brand that they're part of, but don't have any actual experience fishing. Um, I think a lot of people that make social media, YouTube content uh, for a living um, are, are actors, not necessarily fishermen and uh, aren't really what they portray uh, no matter what their, their YouTube handle is. Um, but I think I, I need to be versatile, obviously, and that's, I think, my strength is in my fishing. Like I said, I came from Nebraska. I fished a ton of different smaller bodies of water, um, Nebraska, South Dakota, Iowa, Missouri, Kansas. And I traveled to Texas and, and fished tournaments in Missouri and, and Arkansas and Kansas and Iowa constantly for 15 years um, and, and fished a ton of different bodies of water. I became familiar with the Ozark Lakes. Um, and so, and then once I started my YouTube channel, I, I, I didn't go the route, the easier route of trying to make money and get views by simply making videos next to spillways, every video using obscene live bait and thumbnails, or even contacting everyone that had more subscribers than me to see if they wanted to fish together to make some cringy content so I could capitalize off their subscriber base. Um, I've always wanted to bring value to my, my viewers. And so I would fish with people like Oliver who didn't have a ton of notoriety on YouTube. I would fish with people like Matt Peters who made the Southern swim bait documentary people that know more than me and can provide value to me and to my audience, as opposed to just hitting up Timmy Walmart challenge video guy from Alabama to go film a pond fishing video with him. Um, I've always had an emphasis on tournament fishing and, um, l like I said, traveling all over the place, I've fished a lot of different bodies of water. And so you obviously got to stay, you got to be extremely versatile, especially with an all nine tournaments points wise is the only way to qualify for the elite series. And, um, that and all the other things I, I said about the tournaments changing the, the, the opens changing the rules this year, I think benefit me. So are you in this to qualify for the Elite Series, to make the Classic, to cash checks? You mentioned that this isn't a one-and-done thing. Is this a transition in your life where you're uh, – I, I mean, obviously things change. Life changes. You can't know for sure what it is. But is this something that you're willing to go two, three, four years into uh, on your quest? If, if it doesn't happen on the first year, and if it does happen on the first year, you jump into the Elite Series, no questions asked? I mean, I think it'd be silly to uh, not try to do the best possible points-wise to make the Elite Series. It's not necessarily a goal that I have to, to do, um, but the more I start looking at the schedule and start getting into this and start making my travel plans, I think that is my goal. Um, now, if the first 
three or four or five go terrible, um, then I'm going to try to win one. That's for sure. I'm going to try to win the rest of them. I'm going to swing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm definitely going to be going the points route as much as possible, at least at the start. Really? I think that goes against what some of the people in the, there's a lot of, several people said, I don't see Ben being a guy chasing points, but you, you're not afraid to, to pull out the Ned to drop shot, a little square bill, something to, to fill that limit out. It's not an all or nothing for you. You're going to, you're going to play the game to, to come in with as many points as possible. Yeah, of course, man. I mean, obviously I'd love to do the best I can in every tournament. And I, I think it's great to have the mindset like Palinik does where it's like, my goal is to win all nine. Um, and, and that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to be around winning fish every single tournament. But at the same time, I listen to all your podcasts. I listen to about every major podcast in fishing. And I listen repeatedly to people that have qualified for the elite series. Just listen to Hallman and how he did. I don't think he had a, did he have a single like really great day last year? I mean, he fished tough, extremely tough fisheries and scrapped and scrapped and scrapped. Um, same thing for, for several guys up on the Chesapeake Bay, those tournaments catching one mm-hmm. fish that they almost John. blanked John. Yeah. John, John scrapped. Um, and, and I mean, I think that's, that's the way you get in. You got to be versatile and you got to never give up. I mean, that's so cliche and, and blown out, but it's keeping your head in it for the entire day and, and thinking of it more as not a two-day tournament or a three-day tournament and thinking of it as an 18-day to 27-day tournament season. Uh, even breaking that down into hours is uh, very important if you're going to actually have a chance to make the Elite Series. That That's really good points, Ben. Because, you know, rooming with two of the guys, two of the guys who made it, seeing what is done. Now, listen, pedigree-wise, Hallman, we all knew yeah, that was yeah. going to happen. Soakup, we've seen this massive progression that a lot of people credit to electronics. I'm 100% here to say electronics are a, a portion of that success. I still feel like he would qualify even without electronics. He's a very, very talented fisherman, and it's his mental breakdown and his dedication to it. And, I mean, it's you. I don't enjoy being around him when he's dialed in. He's just not pleasant to be around. That's a matter of fact. And I wish that I could get that dialed in and that focused. It has nothing to do with the fact that he sees him on a screen sometimes before he catches him. Uh, but what you bring up with those two, and this is what I admire about Hallman especially, is he changed his game over the past three or four years. He went from proud, redneck Oklahoman, if I ain't catching him the way I want to catch him, I'm either going to make him catch him or I'm not going to catch him, and I don't give a crap otherwise, to a guy who started the year throwing a Ned rig in a canal in Florida and threw a tungsten jig on a spinning rod and 10-pound test at Oneida. Like, it's very interesting to me. When you, how long do you stick with your guns and your confidence baits and, and dance with the one that, one that brought you and then have the wherewithal to realize that you're not going to beat your head against the wall and you're going to switch up to what makes sense? There's a fine line between confidence and sticking with it and being an idiot and hard-headed and chasing something else. It, and the guys who get it, like, figure that out. Like, when it's time to switch gears, I think that's the hardest thing to figure out that I struggle with and that a lot of anglers struggle with. Yeah, of course. I think you always have to have the mindset that, um, I mean, 
in the back of the head, you're all you're you're like, I'm trying to win this next tournament. But mm-hmm. you always have the have to have the mindset of like, I'm fishing this grass line. If I'm getting swiped at with a chatterbait or they're not eating the frog all the way, I gotta throw a wacky rig. I gotta throw a swim jig. If I'm fishing this brush pile and I'm throwing a 10 inch glide bait over the top of it and they're following it, I need to make a cast with a shaky head on a 16th ounce shaky head with a worm the next cast. I mean, I, and that's where I feel like I built a lot of versatility. Um, I, I think that you, I don't know, you, you just, you always got to be willing every single scenario throughout the day because it can't just be like, well, I'm fishing big baits and trying to win the tournament until noon. And then if that doesn't work, then the last three hours, I'm just going to try to throw a wacky rig and that'll make me catch a limit. That's not how it works in, in fishing. And I think too many guys think of it that way. Like I'm going to, I'm going to drive 70 miles up the river to this secret hole I found and saw two big ones in practice. Uh, and then, I mean, if you start doing stuff and, and taking risks like that, you're not going to be able to be consistent. I think we've seen that so much with these guys that have qualified, especially as of late. I think this year on the opens is going to be, freaking western dude and it is i think so obviously there's rumors of how many guys are signed up for all nine uh i'll let bass publish that when they are ready to publish that but if you listen to ken duke's uh episode it's i I am confident it's a lot ken duke not so much but i am confident that it is well into the triple digits uh and then couple that with the fact of the rumors uh coming out of the uh, invitationals over at MLF. You know, you talk to guys who finish well down in the Toyota series where the top 10 should get invites and they're like, dude, what's going on? I finished well below 10th and I'm getting an invite to the invitationals. And deductive reasoning would say that there's a lot of very talented individuals that fish the invitationals that are now as LeBron James said, taking their talents to the Bassmaster. Opens. Yeah, 100%. So, uh, it, it'll, be inter- it'll be an interesting year. And then you throw on the fact that seven of the nine fisheries bass uh, hasn't had an open there in the past 10 years. Uh, they do have the off limits, uh, but they are increasing the field to 250 boats. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the additions of the guys coming in. I'm excited about the nine overall. I'm excited that you can grind out a couple 50, 60th place finishes and you're still in the hunt. I mean, you feel like if you finish in the top 20% of the tournament, you should be rewarded for it. And uh, hopefully that'll be the case this year through all nine. I would absolutely say so, man. It's it's a really cool schedule of uh, so many different types of fisheries, but the common denominator, like you said, the majority aren't, aren't fisheries they've been to before. And when that was on, when I saw that, I was just like, boom, let's do this. I'm all in. Um, and, and then just the fact that there's so many different types of fishing, it's spread out from pre-spawn fishing all the way into fall fishing. Um, it's going to be super cool, man. I mean, do you plan on having the big stuff even tied on? I don't, I feel like in any, you look at any of the past qualifiers for the past year. Okay. Polinick, uh, uh, Angler of the Year, stuff like that. It's played a very minimal role, but I don't can't remember any of the qualifiers in the past three opens years, like being like, oh yeah, and then I caught one on a glide bait. Are you going to still have that? Are you going to try to incorporate that? Or are you going to put that away for these nine derbies? I promise you there will be at least two or three big baits on my deck at all times, except for maybe at the St. Lawrence. It'll be one probably, but there'll be at least two or three on the deck. And your, your, 
I guess what you have to figure out is how efficient you can make those. Yeah. I mean, really what I'm, I fish them with, with forward facing a lot. And so I figure out pretty quick how efficient I am when I watch what the fish do with them or not, you know, I'm not okay. going up throwing a mag draft on the bank all day. Like I did the last two days, not a mag draft, but, um, if we had some Ozark tournaments, I'd be doing that a lot more. I'd be, I'd be burning bank and it would kind of be like a, well, I guess we'll see what happens at the end of the day type deal. Like I did for fun the last few days, but yeah, man, there's so many opportunities. I mean, brush pile fishing, ledge fishing, um, point fishing, stuff like that, where I'm going to, why not sling a big bait over the top or in there? I mean, I'm not going to keep throwing it all day if they're like not even following it, but that's the great thing about forward facing. I can learn that pretty damn quick. I don't know how much you want to get into this, but I feel like, and if you watch, uh, if you watch your YouTube and the way you've been fishing, do you feel like you're going into the opens and you have something in your back pocket, a technique, a strategy, a style, a way to target fish that maybe 1% of the field has? Like, do you think you are fishing differently than 99.9% of the guys in these tournaments? And that might be a, a silver bullet for you? I am here with the way I fish around here. Um, while I know you can catch big fish in Texas and at the lakes I fish with dragging a cricket, um, the best opportunity I have to catch giant ones is with that big bait and with a live scope. And so that's what I've really gotten proficient with lately. Um, but a lot of that is fishing really slow uh, and so and, and methodically and making really good presentations. So that's going to be something I have to balance going to these massive fisheries where you need to cover water. Um, you need to find the right areas for this. And so I'll be definitely having to balance knowing when to pull that bait out with knowing when to keep looking and searching for the right fish. Because I don't think any of these tournaments are going to be one-on-one, maybe some, maybe one or two, but they're not going to be one-on-one spot. Um, a lot of these are going to be pattern tournaments, area tournaments. Like it's, it's not like I'm going to just be able to sit down on one brush pile and throw that big bait over the top of it to try to get one big bite. But it's something that I'll definitely have in my back pocket. Okay, so playing devil's advocate here, then, the X factor is clearly pressure. 200-plus boats. It is still five days on there. Do you have a lot of experience on this, on on pressured fisheries? I mean, it's no secret. OHIV guys have been like, look, there's a billion boats here it seems like some of the same guys are catching it. it's different in a tournament like have you even started to, to, to factor in how pressure will change that or do you think that uh there are certain fish that don't get pressured that are still available or that aren't as susceptible to pressure on a yeah. given body of water well just being down here in texas i think most of my fisheries are very pressured uh the southern pressure is so much different than the rest of the country people think those are clicks are pressure those are the dumbest damn fish the last few days fishing for them they didn't even want to bite and they had to um, but and, and even going up north anywhere you go they're they're bitey the, these florida strains are so difficult at times man but yeah i think i'm i'm excited about the pressure pressure doesn't mean that you need to go tiny usually or all the time um the bigger baits work better actually when there's a lot of pressure if you know what you're doing with them and you know the type of bait and how to present it and the noise that it's making um, they're actually more effective in pressured fisheries. Really? 
biggest bait that you're going to throw this year in the opens, like length and weight wise? Like what honestly do you think you will make a cast in competition, the biggest chunk of plastic or wood? I'll throw the biggest one that I got probably in a handful of the tournaments, which is my the Moby. I throw it on nine foot rods, 15 inch shad bait. What? That's three inches bigger than uh, most of the keepers in the, these tournaments, Ben. Yeah, I just fished a 10 killer and there was three pound smallies chasing 10 to 12 inch gizzard shad. So how much does that it weigh? Uh, 13 ounces, I think. Do you know how, how many times I would have killed for a 15 inch, 13 ounce fish this year in the opens? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll see if they come out with a bass one. Maybe I can weigh it in. A couple Wait, of these, so you're planning on catch on that. You could catch one on this or that you can get a fish to show itself on this 15 inch bait. Well, I'm not going to throw a bait if I can't catch one on a map. I just told you that two, three pounds smallmouth will try to eat something that big. I can't wrap my head around that. I mean, you're talking to a guy who's like, hey, you know, three-inch Ned Rig, four-and-a-half-inch plastic, figure out an area that's good and then avoid it and then find an average area that becomes good when the good area becomes pressured. Like, that is why do you throw? A, why are you throwing smaller and smaller baits, Matt? What's your, what's your mental approach to that? Points. Points. If I can, if I can, if I can get a solid limit and I yeah, can but, call up. So- I understand that, but what? why are you trying to catch that fish with that tiny bait? But you're trying to catch it with that bait because it's smaller and more natural than what everyone else is throwing, right? Right. So oh, I see I'm what throwing you're a doing bait here. that's more natural. And I, these fish you're doing the same thing I'm doing, except on the opposite end of the spectrum, but it has the same result because you're outside of the standard 99% of baits that they're seeing. Correct. So we're doing the same thing. It's just on different ends of the spectrum. Right. But I also like to go to that end of the spectrum, too. Um, I spent a lot of the winter last year catching so many of these fish that no one could catch around here, um, biting down a 2.8 Kitek and making it like a little bit under two inches in length on a spinning rod, live scoping bait ball fish and catching them like that. Pressured fish that wouldn't eat anything else. So I love going both ways, man. Fishing-wise, that is. Fishing. Dude, I think you're going to catch him. Like, I think you'll be in the hunt this year. Yeah, I really we'll, do. We'll, it'll be tough, man. It's it's so many good fishermen, so many big lakes. I mean, I just, it'll be interesting. We'll what see are you going to struggle with the most? What do you think you're going to struggle with the most? Def, I mean, five days of practice is a lot of practice, and I've never practiced that much for tournaments, um, for any tournament before. I don't think I've ever practiced three days even. Um and so, but like I said, I'm ver- I feel like I'm versatile. I fished all these different lakes um, around the country, but I think just breaking down massive, massive fisheries as lame and, and as uh, green as that makes me sound, um, breaking down these hundred thousand acre bodies of water um, is is going to be a huge challenge, no matter for anyone. That's a that's a good point. And the more I feel like, so you said you listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of guys who have it done. Do you not feel like there is a broad way that the top anglers in the world break down water like you'll have some guys that are like i don't fish i graph and i spend a day in each section of the lake and then i pick the best section and then you'll have another guy on the next day who's like i go to the section that i think the fish are most likely in and i never leave that section and then you have guys who fish and are like i want to catch as many and see and guys who are like i don't fish and i don't want to know what's there that seems the more guys i interview the more i realize that's an art in itself and there's guys all over the map when it comes to 
spending their practice time and whether they're fishing or graphing or running or sections. Do you feel the same way too when you listen to all that? Yeah, hundred percent. There's it's uh, mind blowing. There's there's no um, there's no way to do it. There's no right way to do it. There's definitely a lot of wrong ways to do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, especially with with this schedule, um, you're gonna have to do it different ways every single tournament. Or for the most part, I mean, you can't just be like, well, this five mile section of Ufa looks like it's got a lot of good stuff. So I'm going to practice there for five days and figure it out. I mean, you could do that. That's how I do it. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, I, and that's, that's not really my style. I'll probably right. fish a couple different areas of the lake and then do a home run style area. Like I'll run 80 miles away, not run there, but drive there and check something that looks good. Um, but yeah, man. I think every tournament's going to be different as far as practice and how to break them down. So I, I it's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of research before I get there. All right, you good for one more segment? Take a break. Come back. I want to wrap things up. Talk about sponsor wise boat that all that good stuff that people have been asking about. Uh, this thing kicks off in March what second through fifth. So holy cow, Can't it's going to be here so quick. Yeah, I just don't even want to think about that. (laughs) So, all right, if you're good with that, we'll be back. Ben Milliken on BTL on a Monday. We'll be back right after this. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting BeatdownOutdoors.com. The new Android series is the peak of the Denali lineup and offers the ultimate Denali experience. The Android series features 36-ton multi-directional graphite combined with interlock blank technology for added strength. Each rod is outfitted with royal titanium guides that will not fail. The blank is fitted into an easy-touch, soft-feel EVA foam grip with exposed blank reel seat. This all allows the Android to transmit every movement of your bait and even the most subtle bites. The Android series is the finest rod Denali has ever made and offers an angler the ultimate fishing experience with a limited lifetime warranty. See the full lineup of Android rods at DenaliRods.com. Vibrating jigs are a great choice for any time of year, and the Kamikaze Swim-On is a perfect match for any vibrating jig. Two sizes and the unique tail design gives it a bait fish profile and a great swimming action for realism. There are 17 colors. See them all at BigBiteBaits.com. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat, so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro's coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md combining one of the most popular hook styles with gamakatsu's beefier superline offering the gamakatsu superline offset round bend 
delivers the strength necessary to target big fish in heavy cover. Well suited for braided line and heavier fluorocarbon, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bend is built using stronger Superline wire that allows anglers to easily fish a finesse worm around heavy cover. The round band offers a larger bite area, perfect for any worm presentation, while increasing your hookup ratios. The newly enhanced Z-Band holds your plastics on the hook longer, reducing the number of pull-offs and reducing damage to plastics. Available in 2-aught, 3-aught, 4-aught, and 5-aught, this is the most durable worm hook, designed for heavier lines that hold your bait on longer. Preparation is key to success, and that preparation starts well before you ever hit the water. You're only as strong as your connection to the fish, and your line is that critical connection. Confidence in your line every minute of every day on the water is a necessity, and failure, it's not an option. Sunline makes the fluorocarbon, nylon, and braided lines to give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? Well, the Bass Tank is here to help you. The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. All right, welcome back. BTL on a Monday with Ben Milliken. Has it sunk in yet? I mean, dude, you're going uh, Alabama, Florida, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Missouri, Virginia, New York, Tennessee. $1,800, filming the whole thing. And if you catch them, Bassmaster Classic and Bassmaster Elite Series. I mean, this is what you've been working for, right? I mean, this is where you wanted to be. And it's... Yeah, it's gonna be crazy, man. <laughs> I'm excited. It's uh, it's definitely gonna be a huge challenge, and I'm trying to just kind of take everything one step at a time. I'm just trying to think about you, follow. All right, you mentioned some of the uh, savvy business decisions you've made in the past with Six Sense and uh, Waterland. Curious, people on the instant feedback also want to know: Are you gonna be fully wrapped? Are you running incognito? What are we looking like? Have there been sponsors that have come out of the woodwork since your announcement that want to be part of this, knowing how many people will follow your journey next year? What's a sponsor front look like? Nah, man, I, I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I don't, I don't think I'm gonna have any new sponsors really. Um, at least nothing on a wrap. I'm, I'm not gonna wrap my boat. I'm not gonna wrap my truck. Um, I know from experience that wraps don't really move any product or anything. So. Uh, me doing the promotion on, on videos um, will be everything as far as Six Sense and Waterland. And I got a couple other companies, my powerhouse lithium, they, they've stepped in big time um, to, to support me. And, and of course, um, I get my boat through um, through Boatworks in Missouri. So I got a new boat coming, I'm designing it now, and it'll be ready for, for opens. And I'm pumped about that. We're on the Camus again. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh Good question here. Uh, take a couple questions here from the listeners. Uh, Kevin wants to know, uh, he's curious, how many of your subscribers are new to tournament fishing? Uh, and what do you think the impact is that you'll uh, you'll bring some of your listeners who, or viewers who aren't as uh, 
aren't as adept in tournament fishing to it. Yeah, I've always, um, I've had a little bit of emphasis on my channel, probably more than almost anyone um, on tournament fishing, especially when I was back in Nebraska. Um, and so a lot of viewers love the tournament videos, um, especially like the local tournament videos. Uh, obviously that's a lot bigger demographic than just the uh, the guys that fish professionally. Um, but it, I think I'll definitely get thousands of new viewers into the more serious sport of, or the more serious tournaments in, in bass fishing. And just uh, like we talked about with my video announcing it, I think that already has a lot of people kind of understanding um, what everything is that in the outside looking in, it's, it's really hard to understand what all this means, especially with everything that's gone with, with the MLF being created and FLW tour going away. And now the, the invitationals um, and the NPFL popping up, like, uh, if you haven't been seriously following it the last couple years, there's no chance for you to, to know a whole lot about it other than you go out and try to catch five. But, yep, it's going to bring a lot of new people into it, which is awesome. Justice, what's the over-under on you catching big bass in every open? Over-under? Uh, <laughs> Listen, uh, it's a, it's a weird deal in the opens because if you're putting oh, yourself man. around the biggest bass, you're also opening yourself up to more risk. Do you yeah. not agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, for the most part, like, uh, I, I've listened to a lot of strategy from John Sokup coming on here, and he's talked about just trying to get around the most fish possible, most keepers possible, and the big ones show up. And there is truth to that, too. Bass live in specific areas, no matter what size they are. Um, obviously, the, the small group of big ones can live in obscure locations, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give odds on that. I'd say there's probably a... <laughs> Two percent chance I'll catch big bass in one of the nine. There you go. You know what's crazy? That I hadn't thought of. We've talked a lot about a lot this show, and like I said, you're kind of pigeonholed into a big bass guy with the glide baits. But I will say this, and we talked about John and Brad when the when the chips were down, when the money was on the line, when it was Sam Rayburn, and they had to catch him. And I don't think we pointed this out. Brad picked up that Bubba flip it at a topwater and he went shallow and he stayed on the grass and he grinded it out and got it done he did what he had done for 25 years and what he was the most comfortable with john found the biggest school of fish on the lake and went out with the with the jerk bait yeah he caught a couple on top but he stayed around the most fish and culled up and he was in his comfort zone and got the job done so while we talk about all this versatility and doing what you have to do those two guys who are now of one of the 103 guys on two of the 103 guys on the Bassmaster Elite Series, when it was all came down to it, what did they do when they had the two days that it was put up or go home? They both went to 100% what their confidence thing was. Definitely, yeah. I thought that was interesting. I think just think Super, that's interesting yeah. after oh, all the stuff we talk about, about how you have to change and blah, blah. But when it comes down to it, you still have your wheelhouse. Yeah. I mean, that's the cool thing though. Like with all the nine, with, with the nine opens on the schedule, like I don't think you can go do what Keith Poche likes to do in this schedule and just go find the most obscure skinny water creeks and just qualify that way. I don't think you can do that with this, uh, this, this series. And, and, and uh, I think that's a good thing. I, I think you should have to fish multiple different ways. I agree. Anything else you want to get in here? What do we have coming up? Obviously, the two derbies that you just, the, the, the ice bowl derbies that you just fished the last couple uh, days here, that'll be out on your YouTube channel? Yes, sir. That'll be coming up soon. And um, yeah, man, a lot of, uh, lot of a lot of prep 
for the uh, the opens coming up. I'm gonna try to fish a couple of big derbs on uh, Rayburn this winter. Do you have people who like work for you? Like, do you have a manager and an editor and a filmer? Is that I don't know if that's not a question I should ask. If it's oh, not, no, you it's... could just say no. But I'm just curious. Like, when you do that content, then do you have to come home and grind it out, or do you have someone that helps you with that? So I got a uh, videographer and editor, Cole. Um, he he does probably. Um, f- 40 to 50% of the uh, editing and filming on my channel. And then I do the rest and I do all the business stuff too. Okay. So it's, I mean, my problem. And I think what a lot of people have is you reach that where you have to film it, then you have to edit it, then you have to put it out and it becomes this vicious cycle, especially once then you start receiving it, getting some success and then you're able to monetize it. And I think that's where a lot of people get screwed as they get to the point where they could monetize it. And then they have to put out more than they can produce. And then they burn out like really fast. Of course. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I can't just uh, go try to do business deals all winter and get my tackle ready and stuff until the open starts. Uh, I'm editing two more videos this afternoon and into tonight. I'm going to fish first thing in the morning, editing those Wednesday thanksgiving stuff and then i'm blasting out to do stuff in georgia next weekend and uh, i'm all over the place so yeah it's it's i mean it's seven days a week that's good stuff and then you also have a bunch of merch available for purchase too for the holiday season anything else right like i do yeah and stuff yeah all my stuff's on sixcentsfishing.com now actually over the melican uh apparel section over there and we got some great baits coming out, man. I'm working on a uh, some special big baits for Six Cents that I think are going to help a lot of people get into big bait fishing and offer some of these giant baits that are two hundred to five hundred dollars for a much more reasonable price and still be extremely effective for catching big ones. Do you think that's the next frontier where we're going to see the high end, hard to find baits that are available to the, because like you've made them famous, other guys and Oliver's made them, all these guys want them and then you can't get them. We see what Spro's coming out with the Chad Shad, uh, hopefully by the end of the year, going into next year, we've seen what you've done with what, like the draw and some of the stuff over at Sixth Sense. Uh, Is that the next frontier where we're seeing these finely tuned, impossible to get baits become available to the general public for under a hundred bucks in the next two, three years. Yeah. And I mean, we're not knocking anything off or anything like that, but it's, it is very difficult to achieve what a a resin or a wood high end bait can do with ABS. Um, But at the same time, you get the weighting, right. You get everything just right. You can make a very, very good bait. And there is definitely a hole in the market. I think I don't, I don't like any, I don't love any, uh, any of the plastic baits on the market. So I love the uh, S waiver when my buddy who tournament fishes with me, he's not very great at the precision casting, but he loves to lob it. I, I'm a big fan of the S waiver tying that on the back when he's breaking them in half off the dock post. Juice, <laughs> if you're listening, juice. Good call. Yeah, don't uh, <laughs> don't give him the old slide swimmer or hankle for that one, right? <laughs> No. All right. Anything <laughs> else, Ben? I greatly appreciate it. an hour. Like I said, you drove all night. You fished the last couple of days. It's coming into the holiday season. This has kind of been planned uh, once I heard that you were uh, going to jump on. So I, I greatly appreciate the hour plus time. And also, one of the things is I am going to be live from the Opens next year. Have not. I have no idea what that's going to look like, folks. Uh, but instead of recorded shows, mobile studio, live from the Opens. 
Uh, I've talked to, to, to a couple of different people. I'm sure Andrew Upshaw will be a part of that. I've got, I've got people from all different corners of the world, and I did kind of reach out. I, I would love for you to be a part of that on a, a weekly basis. I don't know what your plans are, but for one uh, one evening, one of those live shows, jump on and kind of give us a uh, an, an update as we my whole goal there is to take different people in different at like one of okay one of them's Bobby Lane Bob ah, sure yeah I'll jump on whatever you need panger so you know you've got an established guy who's won titles and billions of dollars and B you got Andrew Upshaw who's been there you jumping in for the first time someone coming over from the pro circuit a couple different guys I think that would be a really cool aspect for the listeners but I'd love for you to be a part of that uh, over too. the course of all nine opens me too Matt that's a, it's a really good idea it's it's another it's a way to bridge that gap that we've been talking about between this mystical land of uh, yeah. high dollar fishing and and bringing some of the just explaining what their people are thinking, the anglers are thinking in the moment and what, what the strategy is during the tournament, I think is going to be very, very helpful. The tricky part of that is not, okay, if there's anything that anybody can grab onto that's in the tournament, that's fishing that tournament, they will grab onto it and exploit it. So yep. how can you provide, this is what I'm walking through my issues right now in my mind with this. How can you, how can you avoid, uh, hurting yourself in the tournament or giving nuggets to someone else during practice because that uh, that'd be like i always thought it was weird how they try to do patterns on the websites after the first two or three days the only people who give a crap about that are the 85 guys who are trying to beat you Mm -hmm. uh and then uh so that's a key component to it and then not impacting the process of the tournament because who cares if you have great content if it's if it's impacting your fishing if it's impacting your time and stuff so the the key and like i said i'm right there in that is not impacting your preparation or the Mm -hmm. tournament not giving away stuff there's a way to do it that's really awesome and that's where i plan on finding it yeah we just uh the the main thing with that is just we gotta lie just lie a lot lie 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 (laughs) There you go. There's a strategy. You got anything else, Ben? It's all got, man. Thanks for having me, Matt. All right, thanks. Enjoy the uh, holiday season. Enjoy Thanksgiving with your family. Head over to uh, Millican Fishing to see all the crazy stuff. If you're a tournament guy who doesn't watch a lot of the YouTube stuff uh, and you do it, it's it's a really cool channel. A lot of mind-blowing stuff on there. Ben really goes in-depth uh, as far as it's... I mean, there's a lot of stuff. It's it's a, it's raw. It's a little bit raw. It's well-produced, but I would describe it as raw, the on-the-water stuff. Would you not agree? That's a compliment. 100%. 100%. It's got to be that way. The uh, the highly edited um, cinematic stuff doesn't do great on any social media platform. So I think being the most real you can be these days is important. There you go. That is Ben Milliken, Fishing All Nine Opens. Well, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon, Ben. We'll talk soon, man. Thanks, Matt. All right. That was Ben Milliken. Uh, good stuff. I like talking with him. It's, I said, it's a whole different world that's uh, that's emerging. One of the things I didn't talk get into talking about was he said last time when I had him on, I mentioned, hey, you've got this great social media following. A lot of people have any of these big time pros reached out, not for collab, but for like advice on how to grow it, on how to build it. Because everyone who's a fish tournament fisherman wants to get into the social media. Everyone in the social media uh, wants to get into the tournament side. So he said, no, he said that has changed. I didn't, we didn't get a chance to go into that, but really enjoyed that show tomorrow. We'll also really enjoy a show dude with a lot on his plate. And that would be none other than the Bass tank and elite series pro John Sokup as he, uh, as he wraps up a very memorable 2022, probably the most memorable year uh, of his career. Although he did win two NPFLs last year, uh, but qualified for the elite series. He will be live from the Bass tank headquarters. And then we'll take a week off 
for the Thanksgiving break before we are back uh, next Monday. All right, this has been another edition of BTL Bass Talk Live for Monday, November 21st. Talk to everybody tomorrow. See ya.